Will Ben Simmons ever play for the Brooklyn Nets? That's the question that we ask, what it means in the short term for their championship hopes this year, and long term, what they could get back potentially in a trade. We're going to break that all down, friends, right after the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. It's the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. I'm Adam Marmbrecht. He's Doug Norrie. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day, free on all those great platforms. And Doug, on an off day before the big game against the Bucks, why not continue what has been uh, maybe a negative trend for the podcast? We weren't necessarily glowing, even coming off the Detroit Pistons win. And now we're going to tell Nets fans why maybe Ben Simmons is never going to suit up for Brooklyn. And I mean ever. Yeah, sort of lost in the shuffle on uh, the game. Oh, God, I can't believe we're here. Uh, lost in the shuffle um, going into the game on um, Tuesday night was a Steve Nash quote that he gave in a pregame presser uh, before they played Detroit where, you know, someone asked about Ben Simmons. And, you know, this has been the sort of the other piece of the talking point around the net season is when and if Ben Simmons will will ever play. Now, you know, uh, we speculated that it was during the ramp-up period that it was going to be, oh, you know, maybe they're possibly avoiding the Philly game, which I kind of thought made sense. I mean, that is obviously not the case because, you know, further stuff comes out that he has a herniated disc and he got an epidural. And the he was also inj- avoiding the Detroit game. He was also avoiding the Heat game. There was a lot of und- undercurrents, buddy, a lot of undercurrents here. I will say during that time in our defense, and I'll give the Nash update here in a second, on our defense on that timeline, like, they weren't, they were pretty shocking here with the Nets, pretty unspecific about the injury piece, right? It's like he's ramping up and he's starting on court activity, so you can't yeah. help but assume once you're, if you're not, if you're not going to give you know detailed information, which they're not, they're not obligated to do. But if you're not going to give detailed information, it just leads to speculation. So anyway, obviously, since then, more and more detailed stuff has come out. Uh, like I said, around the herniated disc, around the epidural, around um, you know the fact that he really just hadn't started any basketball. Um, hadn't started any basketball activities. And then Nash did come out and said, there's nothing new with Ben Simmons. Um, hasn't had a second MRI after getting one a few weeks ago. And there's been no change in the status basically um, from, you know, his encore playing stuff. And that's from Alex Schiffer of the athletic and really every else on the Nets beat was able to post that. So yeah, I mean, this is as bad of an update as you can get on Ben Simmons. Like this is the no yep. news is bad news update. <laughs> and like, and that's just kind of where we are with Simmons. And I think, you know, we have to start working under the possibilities slash probability that this is not, that we do not see Ben Simmons this year. Um, if the, you know, we are, there are 11 days, 11 calendar days left in the regular season at this point, And he has not done anything. It seems like basketball related, like anything close to game speed. So, I mean, look, if the Nets are obfuscating again around him, I, I don't think that's the case. Then we'll just be wrong in a day or two. That has also been the case with the Nets at, at times before, but that doesn't seem like that's what we're dealing with here with Simmons. No. And I, I, you know, to your point, just about the injury piece of it, when they first made the trade, it was, it, the idea was just this guy hasn't played in a long time. It wasn't like he was dealing with something. And then the drips and drafts started to come out and it seemed like it became more and more serious of a concern as the timeline moved along. 
But when you talk about, you know, we were saying in the last episode, coming off the Pistons game, not necessarily feeling great about some things there, still got the win, and that's all that ultimately matters in the short term. There were, you know, fans have been saying, a lot of people have been saying, like, oh, like, once Ben Simmons comes back, right, once you get yep. Ben Simmons on the court, it's going to, of course, elevate what's possible for this team. But I don't know. Like, it, was, it was in the comments last night. Ben Simmons will be back for the big play-in game when the Nets are there. What would I, I make anyone think any, that? What would make I, I, like, what, what what reality is anyone living in that 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 would be the case? I, I, I'm sorry to get like freak out. Sorry about that. So I'm just freaking out. No, no. <laughs> like <laughs> like what like what possible nugget or of truth or little morsel would give anyone that? And I know it's just like one random comment, but like I I just don't even know how setting a timeline now is totally a fool's errand. It just it's there's if anything the timeline should be way further than anyone thinks. We've been a million times down the road with the Nets on this stuff when you're you're not close until you play. At like you just it always is longer. It's always longer with these timelines. Right. The only thing you could you could say is like, oh well, the nets are always so vague that you can try to extrapolate your own thoughts. But you no, just but said it's it. never vague. The nets are never term. closer. Yeah, no, oh, exactly. <laughs> I was like, it's never, it's never. Oh, we're being coy with you guys, and then the guy shows up two weeks ahead of schedule. It's always no, yeah, t- check back in with us. And by the way, you only have to look back to another player that suffered an injury in Joe Harris, and it was like, yeah, we're gonna see, we're gonna see, we're gonna see. Guess what? He shut down for the year. Yeah, no right? one ever like, gets just... like, no one ever gets out wheeled out in the wheelchair with the blanket thrown out, and then just pops up, you know, WWE style because they're they're back way <laughs> early. Like that's. Like, that's not the case with the Nets. It's always longer, um, and this is just another example. And so, I, I, and I'm not even mad at the team. I'm just saying. I, I'm mostly just saying that, like, this is why you can never, you can never err on the side of shorter, like yeah. with this team. And that that's all I mean. You can never, you can never just say, okay, I know they said this, but here's why I'll hold out hope. They've never given you reason on any of these things to hold out hope for, for a shorter timeline around injuries. And so here's the reason why in the short term, whether the remainder of the season then going to the playoffs, why it's a bit, why it's obviously a big factor. I mean, we know that Ben Simmons is a talented player. We know what he brings defensively. But as we say, sometimes when numbers serve our point, we'll utilize them. <laughs> Since Kyrie has gotten back on the court, we, we bring down that sample size to get into, uh, you know, to be able to quantify him inside of this. He's now the highest offensive Raptor rating on the Brooklyn Nets, just narrowly ahead of Kevin Durant. But Kyrie Irving is still a negative on the defensive end. Uh, Kevin Durant is narrowly a positive on both offensive and defense. He's a big plus on the offensive end, doing it on the defense as well. There are only two other players. That's LaMarcus Aldridge, who we haven't seen on the court, do the hip impingement, even though he's technically healthy, who is positive on both ends. And then Bruce Brown, who's basically a net neutral on both ends of the floor, but we know the tremendous value that he's been in the short term. All this to say, Ben Simmons, if you go back and look at his last two years, he would be only the fourth player on the Brooklyn Nets to be a both positive offensive and defensive player by Raptor Raider stand- Raptor rating standings. And I guess the real takeaway there for me is, is because we talk about Ben Simmons and saying, well, obviously he's a liability, can only do so much on the offensive end. But if you think about him in the idea around Kevin Durant and around Kyrie Irving and the value that he would have offensively, he's bigger, he's longer, he can get at the rim. These are things that you lose. And effectively, when you look at it, it's like, you're taking away. We know he would be the third best player, right? But even just as a rotational component in any capacity, if he can't return, you've now lost that. You've, you've stripped away what I think a lot of Nets fans and you and I discussed for a while of what will this mean once he gets added in? How does this improve what they can do come playoff time when you look at some of these difficult matchups? If he's not there to take one of those assignments, it falls to someone else, and the Nets don't necessarily have those defensive stoppers to pick up those tasks. 
I mean, just to put it simply, it, it, on a championship arc and timeline, they traded James Harden for nothing for this year. I, like, if he doesn't play, right? It's pretty It's pretty simple here. Like, And by the way here, uh, sorry, quickly, because by the way, this is what, when they made the trade, and we all, we all were talking about it, I said, uh, a lot of other people did too, but I feel very confident saying, at the time, the Nets made this trade as much based on the future as it yep. was about the present moment, right? Philly did it to try to win now. The Nets did it because we need to get something for James Harden, and we'll see what we can accomplish in the short term. That seems to be crystallizing even more and more as Ben Simmons' injury continues to keep him out. And maybe there's stuff about the back that they just weren't aware of that wasn't gonna that that you know did aggravate once he came over. I'm not blaming anyone for the trade. We were basically forward at the time, so I'm not gonna re- no, no one's gonna rewrite history. I'm just saying no. in the in the here and now, um, the situation has become uh, it's not a disaster, but it's. Like you to go back to your previous point about his you know defensive stuff, they just need him. They need someone like him, this exact guy. They need this exact guy on the team right now. Short of having a generational offensive talent to just again out offense everybody, like they were they could have kind of done with Harden. Like if that's not going to happen, like they need this sort of archetypal player, like transitional switchability, long. Like can get after it is like a de- pretty good on ball defender is a really good uh, disruptor right like so like they need this exact kind of guy right now and that's what they thought they were trading for and I think they thought that the timeline and I think everyone else thought the timeline was going to be he comes in and is, is those things at some point this year and yep. you just can't at the, at to, and just to go back to round back out to the negative piece is like you can't hold out hope that that's going to be the case here because here's the other thing even if Let's say he ramped up basketball activities tomorrow. It's not going to happen, but if he let's say he did it tomorrow. There's still such a protracted timeline and the other thing too is like in the playoffs, like you don't get eased into play in the playoffs. Like you're not playing those are the wor- those are the worst minutes that a, that yeah. a player can play from both from a physicality standpoint and a pressure standpoint. Like these two those two things dovetail into the highest leverage minutes there are. Like ramping up in the playoffs is not like ramping up, you know, against Houston in, in you know, in late February <laughs> where he can right. get in there. When we were talking about easy landing spots, right? Soft opportunities for him to get acclimated. Yeah, like go play like the, the Pacers B team against like O'Shea Brissett and like Jalen Smith and, and, and Buddy. Well, he's on the B team. And like, you know, Lance Stevenson or something like that. Like that's not what this is. <laughs> this is this is totally different. You're going to get other teams, best five guys. It's going to be super high leverage. And, like, you, you just can't even ease into situations like that. So I get even concerned about how a ramp-up would even look like even in the type of games they're going to be playing because they're just, this is what I mean about it. It's all, it's all sort of working out to be sort of bad news because even the timeline doesn't help at this point. I do think there's, like, a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel here. I'm not sure how much it has to do with this season, but there is some positivity uh, that we can take. Or not positivity. There's some... There's some outs. Let's put it Silver that way. Linings, there, there's say, right? there's like there's some outs here. I think like this is not if, if we're if you said before they're taking a long term view of this. Um, the long term view is not as discouraging as the short term view for sure. So I think that there are some you know I don't think we need to be doom and gloom about the future of the Nets. I do think the championship piece is is, is a little wonky, but the long term view might not be as bad. We'll talk about that in a second. Got to first talk to you about our friends over at NBA Top Shop. We've been talking to you about this. You've probably been hearing about this for the last few months. NBA Top Shop is the officially licensed NFT for the NBA. Non-fungible token, folks. Got to get on these. This is the wave of the future. It's uh, two things. It's a part trading piece, part uh, community. So you get kind of the both things. If you think about trading cards, 
in that you can open packs, you can get these moments. That's what NBA Top Shot is. It's the future of what NBA fans look like. Part trading card, part stock market, part fantasy sports. Got a built-in loyalty program. Uh, it's evolved the trading card market. It makes it easier to buy, sell, and trade. You're getting some of the top moments from all of the NBA. You might say to yourself, and I know people have thrown out this question, why would I buy something that you can watch? Because they're clips. They're clips of you know famous plays that are happening. Sometimes just kind of the ordinary plays too. Why would you buy something you can watch on YouTube for free? It's not just about that it's not just about watching the highlights it's about having an ownership stake in these moments it's about having an ownership stake in something akin to the stock market for those nba great moments you can own all of these nba top shots you open up the packs you get the excitement for it you get a starter pack it starts at just nine dollars just the thrill of opening up to see what you're going to find almost makes it worth it on its own nba top shot again this is the future of how collectibles are going to work this is the future of being an nba fan you head on over to LockedOn.NBATopShot.com. That's LockedOn.NBATopShot.com to start building your collection today. You better believe it, friends. And so, uh, you said, we said silver lining, positive, but uh, if you're on YouTube, will Ben Simmons ever play in Brooklyn is certainly not the title <laughs> to a positive theme here, but the, the, this was... This was even speculated at the time of the trade. I think you know people that were taking the the big picture view. And to your point of if he could help us in the short term and and try to keep this year's title window open, great. But long term, he can be a part of this team and help keep that window open. Obviously, he's still young, or he can be turned over into another asset. And I will just say, as you're gonna you're gonna highlight um a, an NBA storyline that that, that buzz, buzzes up a little bit, that we say for nothing. It'll be interesting if we follow this thread where the Nets did get Seth Curry and did get an Andre Drummond oh, yeah, and yeah. now utilize Ben Simmons in a different way. And I know Sorry. I know the, the the bottom line was no one's saying, hey, do you want to trade James Harden for Ben uh, for, for Seth Curry and, and Andre Drummond? That's an absolute insane uh, prospect. But combined with what they can do in totality, potentially, we this could be a yet to be determined. What is the the net gain the Nets received in trading James Harden? Yeah, that's my bad. I kind of did kind of no, no, gloss no. over that. Um, and I, and I'll just be honest, I kind of wasn't thinking about those guys, <laughs> those guys in the moment. So I was just, I was, uh, I was seeing red on the Ben Simmons thing. Um, so I'll just do a full Mia culpa on that. Obviously, they get those two other pieces. It was not for nothing. Uh, so my bad, Seth. My bad, Andre. Um, you guys, you guys have been great. Love you guys. Love you guys. Love you guys. Now look, the NBA is one thing you can trust in the NBA is that, and I, I didn't coin this phrase, and I'm gonna kind of mess it up a little bit, but it's like. You're basically only one star being mad away from like the sh- league shifting again, and that's and that is like you just need to wait because it's just going to happen. There's just going to be another situation that does not go not going correct for somebody that people are going to then kind of sink their teeth into about what can how the landscape of the NBA trade. It happens every time. We just saw it. it just happened with the Nets and Sixers. It will happen again. It'll happen multiple times a year from now to the day we all turn to dust. So it's like it's just going to happen, and that. That like dark there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just trying to set a realistic timeline. I'm like, sure, 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 sure. Um, so the, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> realistic timeline, infinity. So when you're dead. Okay. So, and before I get to that situation, I will say Simmons, even in this current state, is like still an asset. You know, on the in the the chance to work back into the team, he can still come back in that. He could still be healthy and for an off season. Whatever they were still able to get draft picks back, which is great. Um, so like they were able to replenish some of these coffers. And then on Tuesday night, the Jazz, right on time, right on schedule, go out and lose to the Clippers with Paul George coming back. 
And Donovan Mitchell comes out with a quote afterwards that says, like, basically he says, I don't know what to say. This is, this is Mitchell's quote after the game. I don't know what to say. This is the same old bleep every year. This is this, uh, this is the, literally the same thing as last year. And all that quote took, that because people were like, time to run with this one. Because there's been speculation that he, he and Rudy Gobert don't get along. Um, there's been speculation that this Utah Jazz team has a definitive ceiling on their current personnel, which is to say, like, he's referencing that the fact that they just can't beat the Clippers specifically, and, like, they just can't deal with certain situations that make them a non-championship team. And it only took two seconds for everyone to start putting together the the Rudy Gobert for Ben Simmons (laughs) trades. I mean, what do you think about that? Look, is, is it realistic? No, but it's realistic in the sense that, like, there will still be markets open even if the situation looks bleak in the short term yes I think it's realistic to say Ben Simmons for something else it can be on the table for the Brooklyn Nets in the offseason they can take a look at their roster there's certainly going to be some questions we talked about it coming out of the last game you know LaMarcus Aldrich what what is his long-term viability Patty Mills is older like there's going to be some shifting here regardless of whether or not Ben Simmons is a part of this team next year or not I think the Nets are going to look to tweak and just make sure that they enhance whatever their value is and do I think in the old one-to-one of Rudy Gobert for Ben Simmons, is that necessarily the solution that I would think about for the Brooklyn Nets? Probably not. But Oh, you wouldn't, like, do, you wouldn't do Simmons for Gobert? I would. No, I would. Oh. I just don't know if that'd be the first thing that I would. You know, that wouldn't be my that wouldn't be my number one option. But but if you think about the Brooklyn Nets as they're currently constituted, and we've talked about you know Andre Drummond, he's big, he's thick, he's great. Like if you just inserted Rudy Gobert, a guy that's bigger than everybody and has this very specific function on both ends of the court for you, that. It, if I if you could still make trades right now, I would probably I would do it this second and say the Nets have a better chance to win the championship this year oh, over I mean, a healthy they, they ben would be Simmons, the favorite. Right? They'd be yeah, the favorite. Exactly. I, like I'm not trying so, to overstate. Like they if they swapping those two players right now would be make them the instant runaway favorites. I like Gobert right. is just like among the top one percent higher of of defenders in the entire league. I get that the thing in Utah is not working out. But Donovan Mitchell's also not Kevin Durant. Like right. Right? and Mike Conley. By the way, not, this, and Mike Conley's not Kyrie to touch base on on their specific situation. Sometimes when you say Donovan Mitchell, it's like, hey, you might want to look in the mirror a little bit, buddy, here. Like, you can be really good at one thing and also not be the answer to everyone's problem. You could be a part of the uh, the issue as well. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, would I, would I do that trade in the offseason? Yes, but would you, like, you can look around the league and say, are there other combinations of options that the Nets could do to make them a deeper, stronger, healthier team? Rudy Gobert, obviously, on the older side, as opposed to Ben Simmons being younger, whatever that could look like. I think the bottom line that this indicates to you, though, people's willingness to run with it, is Ben Simmons, is to your point, is still an asset. He's still young. He's still under contract, and the contract is not bad. So a lot of teams around the league could look at that number and say, hey, this is a good, young, controllable piece that we could bring in, and Brooklyn could certainly make themselves stronger in the short term which I think is the weird part, because go back to it. When they made the trade initially, you said, well, Harden's clearly closer to the end of his career than his beginning. Ben Simmons entering his prime, young, and we thought this could open up a much longer window for Brooklyn. I think you could see them make a trade that makes them stronger in the short term again, but then would send them back into this cycle of how do we turn this thing over in two seasons or something to make ourselves again competitive over the life of Kevin Durant's contract. Yeah, for sure. And I think, look, I, but we'll say one more thing. I, I want Ben Simmons to play with the Nets. I, I still, yes. I, we're still very excited to see what that possibility looks like. He's younger. He's under control uh, contractually, like right for a long time, like you said. Um, I think that that would be everyone's first vote. I, I think that that's... Um, I mean, maybe that goes without saying. Or maybe some people feel differently about it. All I'm saying is that, 
like to just to give an air of positivity around it, I do think that there are based on the way that they did the trade, like there are there is a world where it's not like all hope is not lost if he's not able to play, right? right? Like that they can just turn that into something else. So I think that that's um I think that's mostly the point that we're trying to make is I there's still going to be a market even if it doesn't work out this season. Do you think that um I mean just big picture here it, would the Nets bring him back at any point in the playoffs if, if they get deep enough into it? They say you know because I don't think as you said we said earlier ramping him up to play in the playing game is not viable. But if you hear that the Nets win the playing game, they win their first round series, and now Simmons looks like whatever. Like it, what's the threshold for when you say being on the court in the short term? How many games can we sacrifice to get you into rhythm before it ends up being a detriment in a series against the Bucks, against the Heat, against the Celtics? I mean, it's not good. I I think it'd be really, really tough. Um, like it probably depend on how these these series were going. I, look, if he's if he's if he's clear for basketball activities and he's totally healthy, then you have to you have to try, right? Like you yeah. have to like there's you you have to get him out there and play. I just I mostly was, and I don't know. I I don't feel comfortable saying a definitive number on that. All all the point I was trying to make before was not comparing the playoffs to the regular season when it comes to like yes. ramping up your on court activities and having it be like this. Very easy. We talked about like softer landing spots, right? Like we right. Er, early on, we, we talked about oh why it would make sense to like maybe have this is when we thought he was healthy, like um that it would make sense to him like go and play in Orlando, right? Like because I, I, I'm only saying out of context it was like okay, it's away from home, Orlando stinks, like the crowd's not. It's unlikely the crowd's gonna get on him too hard. Um, right. all these other little factors that factored into coming back, like that there was a reason we picked that place as an example. No, no place will be like that in the playoffs, <laughs> right? Like, there's no example of that. And oh, by the way, if the Nets were where we thought they would have been, a one seed, a two seed, then maybe the one versus eight matchup feels a little bit different in terms of ramping up a player right, against a right. weaker opponent and feeling stronger about it, right? And that's not a scenario that the Nets are going to have right, to like, play out here. Look at the situations, then we can move on. But, like, the situations are one and done, <laughs> right? One and done game in the, in the play-in. Or play, going and playing one of the Heat, the Bucks. Um, it's just it's maybe just those two. Uh, the the Heat or the Bucks or or, or whatever this or or Philly, sorry, Celtics Philly. could ro- ro- Celtics or Philly, Philly right? Yeah. Like those are like those are the teams that are all those are the teams that are all sort of vying for the one seed right now. If that were they to land, and by the way, if they were the seven seed, it'd be one of these four teams also. Like so, right. it's like you're going into the most unmanageable situations that there are, which is like going to be super hostile crowds against super physical teams. That, that so I'm just I guess my point is like these situations are just so polar opposite of what we envisioned the the the, the situation <laughs> right. could look like early on for him. We'll see what comes of it. At the bottom line is here we're going to come back in after the break and talk about the slate of off night games just like the other day. You have Miami and Boston taking on one another. Maybe that's not the biggest concern, but you're going to want to know about the Toronto Timberwolves game that's going on, the big one with Atlanta against OKC. You've also got the Knicks and Charlotte. That is a huge, massive game from a Brooklyn Nets perspective. We're going to break down which way those games went and what it means for the Brooklyn Nets in the short-term playoff picture. But before we do, got to tell you of course about our friends over at bet online that's because we know as march madness has been absolutely mad did you take st peter's those odds were insane they're no longer dancing in the tournament but you still could have had a heck of a run for yourself that's because betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info from the latest odds contest and player props you name it they've got it bet online remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments including podcast and reviews for all of the leagues throughout the season and it's not just basketball bet online also is your continued source for 
sports wagering information needs, including live betting and all of your favorite Vegas casino games. You head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online. It's where the game starts. All right, so then the other big thing, obviously, on the off night is you look across town and you say, hey, Knicks, we're not really against each other here. Do us a favor. But they don't do it, Doug. They don't care about the Brooklyn Nets as they fall to the Charlotte Hornets. And now uh, Charlotte will be just a half game behind the Brooklyn Nets in the standings as we wrap up everything that went on here on the off night for Brooklyn. And most of this stuff went in the wrong direction this time. Yeah, um, so just to kind of give an idea of where they are in the landscape, and again, the landscape is going to be the most important thing as the Nets season comes to a close here because we want to know, uh, you know, at this point the playing game is basically all but guaranteed, I would say, but especially with the Knicks loss, but the, um, you know, where they land in the playing game, whether they need to play two games or one game possibly does really matter. So Charlotte wins their half game back. Really looked like the Knicks were going to hold it, hold on there, or actually come back. It got really close within the last three minutes or so, but Charlotte ended up pulling away, basically thanks to a lot of Miles Bridges stuff near the end. Um, mm-hmm. Atlanta completely dumpsters OKC, so they keep in the fight there, game back now. And then uh, Cleveland, though, and this is the interesting one because Cleveland lost uh, to Dallas this evening, and you'd think, okay, well, there's still two games. Uh, there's two games back of the Cavs right now, but the Cavs are going to ha- not have Evan Mobley back for the next two games also. So, which is not like they've been killed by injuries. Jared Allen's already out. Uh, now Mobley, who they really, really need is out. Um, and so that actually throws a little monkey wrench there where they're going to be two ga- The Nets are two games back from Cleveland. I think there is a world where they can find themselves. They can get to the seventh seed, but they have to keep winning, right? Like yeah. I, I it, it still takes a lot. Making up two games over the last six is, uh, is a lot to do, especially against a team in the Cavs. But um, I think there is a world. There's still a world where seven through ten is on the table for the Nets, right? Like I think that range of outcomes is still there. I think the sixth seed basically died tonight with Toronto winning. Well, and with the injuries with Cleveland, just you look at you know two games back. Remember though, they can make up a full game against them the second to last of the season there, and they'll have the tiebreak series. So the Nets, you know, Correct, going into right. yeah. that second to last game, they only need to be within a game of Cleveland. So the margin right now is make up one game on Cleveland, and you're in a good spot, like you say, to try to get that seventh seed. And I think that that really matters. Now it's it's hard to look at the the standings right now in the East. And, and get a sense of, well, what is 8th seed versus 7th seed? And, you know, for number 1 seed, number 2 seed, that's all going to be relative. But, to your point, 7th is still in play. I guess you do have to kind of accept that 6th seed is off the table. I was I think uh, hedging my bets a little I, like, bit. I think, but, yeah, by the way, think, you, you'll, yeah. you'll allow that to die knowing that Toronto kept winning, right? Like, you'd rather it be that Toronto got these wins, they kept themselves clear of the 7th, they kept us clear of that issue of having to go on the road and not have Kyrie available. That's fine. Like, in the whole spectrum of it, I think this is probably the the safest and best potential outcome for Brooklyn. A chance to hold your fate against Cleveland late in the season and win the 7th seed, or you know at the very least you avoid having to go into uh, uncertain territory without Kyrie. And it's super interesting development, like sort of not Nets related, but because Nets are super just into this kind of thing now, but after having an entire season worth of Vax Mandate talk come through uh, the podcast and every other they piece of Vax content. Dates. Yeah, well, actually, and this is not going to apply to the Nets uh, just because of the way that this is going to probably shake out, but a report did come through ESPN today via uh, Tim Bontemps where they had – you know, the vaccine stuff has really been only around Kyrie because it's really only affected, in theory, Kyrie's availability over the course of the season. Uh, Bontemps did make uh, did post an article today that said while and I'll just read what he said. He said um, 
if teams are fully vaccinated, the Heats and Bucks said they were fully vaccinated, and then the Celtics and Sixers declined to answer. Now, they didn't say whether or not they were fully vac- vaccinated. They just declined to give the answer. And we also know that a bunch of these uh, guys did not go and play in Toronto the other night with Boston. Like, there's a world where the vaccine stuff actually affects some of these other teams going into Toronto. Like, if they're the sixth seed, like, there's a world where, like, you, some of these teams, like Boston maybe specifically, does not want to be the three seed because they would not have 100% eligibility in the playoffs having to go in Toronto, which is still has a mandate. Actually, I don't think they have the mandate, but they have a quarantine around like how long you need to be um, in, like you need to quarantine going into the country. So effectively a mandate. So anyway, just another little wrinkle here. Like this, the, the, the Vax mandate gift keeps on giving. <laughs> to, to, and it's, it's going to not be Brooklyn related, at least to start. And 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 to your point, right now Boston trailing the Miami Heat. They're in the three seed. Boston is Toronto winning. They're in a virtual tie with Chicago. So Toronto could get up to the five seed, and Boston could fall to the four, and and even beyond Boston, any of these teams. Because anytime someone says no comment, you go, well, probably make some assumptions around what you know who who could have issues here potentially. I mean, it could be nothing. I like right. Who and knows? maybe it is. But but bottom line being, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the playoffs for any one of these teams, even if they have one player, right? Just one player. It doesn't have to be Tatum. It could be just a guy that comes off the bench for a handful of key minutes, but. One of these teams could end up in the circumstance that Brooklyn was fearing with Kyrie against Toronto. And if it takes place, not where we were thinking, this playing game scenario. What if it takes place over a seven-game series? And by the way, because Toronto keeps playing well, it doesn't take it off the table for the Nets eventually in the playoffs as well. If, if ter- Every time you wanted Toronto to stay out of the playing game, now you want Toronto to lose in the first round because you also want to take that off the table for any future. It, it never ends, Doug. Like you said, it just keeps on giving new narratives and storylines oh, to be yeah. concerned around. You're I welcome. will say, I, and this is something I'll, I'll beat the drum on this, sort of almost no matter what happens with the Nets, I, although I clearly have a preference about what, what happens. Uh, these East playoffs are going to be awesome. Like yes. these teams are all like, there's no sort of definitive great team among them, but they're all good in their own right, basically. And just the fact that that is the case, that these are all, these are just all good teams. They're, none of them are great, I don't think, but they are all very good in sort of all different ways. And that's kind of played out in the standings this season. It's played out with what we've seen on the court. And almost any way that the seven, or excuse me, the eight teams line up when it comes to the actual playoffs, these East playoffs are going to be a bloodbath in like a good way, yeah. <laughs> right? Like it's just going to be, it's just going to be awesome. They're almost all guaranteed to go pretty far into the series. They're all really cool X's and O's matchups around the different superstars on each team, like, and they're all just good teams. So I'm, I'm def- definitely excited for the playoffs. I just obviously have a preference for where I want the Nets to land. It's going to be funny to think about because I already started to do that, and we'll we'll refine it as we get closer to it. There's there's plenty of hurdles to get over, but I was thinking about like what what matchups do you want to see? You know, what order would you want to see Brooklyn enter the playoffs and have to take teams on? We mentioned it the other day about do you want to be able to just get in Philly first, bump them off, okay, check mark. But then remember, you'd be talking about potentially taking on Boston, the team that you faced in the first round last year, and felt like a, a much easier lift than it would be this season. Then Milwaukee could be there, like the Nets could be basically like repeating. The the cycle of history last year and trying to uh, what was that uh, Sam Beckett quantum leap style right the oh, wrongs man. right go back and right the wrongs that had happened before so like there are all those really cool narratives let alone as much as we want uh, Charlotte to lose and stay behind us if they find themselves in here and Cleveland tumbles like having a ball in the playoffs I think is a cool thing right and seeing how a young plucky team would look against the Miami Heat like you're right this is a much more condensed Eastern Conference than it was in years past and that always makes for better especially early round matchups because usually what yeah. are we thinking about 
get round two. Let's see what really gets interesting. No, yeah, these like are in all past years, really it was like someone would truck the Magic in the first round. Like last year, <laughs> like like right. last year, the, the the Nets just dumpstered the Celtics, right? Like yeah. in games that ended up not being all that interesting. This not, I just that's just not going to be the case here. Short of one of these teams now suffering a major injury, so knock on wood there. But the um, short of that, I think that we're just looking at a, a knock them down, drag them out Eastern Conference playoffs, and that's just going to be awesome. Okay, we so, are going to be back following the Bucks and Nets game on well tonight if you're listening uh now uh so we'll be breaking down whatever happens in that one hopefully in that's victory in the meantime make sure you like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts make sure those podcasts are showing up every single day in the car for you like we want to be there um yeah just you know getting your nets news in the car in the commute whenever you decide to listen to podcasts like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts picturing me doing that if you're watching on youtube that's what i'm doing next to you in the car while you're listening and hey as we gear up towards the playoffs the rest of these quotes going forward will only be from new jersey or brooklyn nets such as I have feelings, but not when it comes to basketball. I'm here to win. I'm not here to make friends. Kenyon Martin. Oh, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.